0: Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I want to go back today to some very important scriptures that we've been dealing with in the book of Ephesians today. And over a couple of weeks ago, we started this, and it became abundantly clear that that was not going to be in one, just one message um, but the Bible tells us this, and I'm going to start reading at verse 20. It says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him, and you were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. The old self has nothing to do with the new life, folks, absolutely nothing to do with it. The old self has to be taken off as it were, if it were, picture it as a coat, as something that is tattered, it's torn, it has holes in it, it's not going to keep you warm, it's not going to do really anything for, for you, you've got to take that off. Let's continue reading. The Bible says about the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the holy spirit of God, whom you were sealed with, whom you were with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ in God forgave you. Last time we talked about putting off the old self and the way that we're able to do that. Now, for most of us, we have the ability, if you put something on. Maybe I remember a, an embarrassing moment that I had at a, uh, the very first time when I, just shortly after I, I started a job here in this city, when I got here, uh, I worked at a a water and wastewater management company in the corporate office. And they had some mailing equipment that had to be changed out. I was going to be the operator of this equipment. So it was up to me and one other person to uh, kind of go and check out different pieces of equipment that might work for the company. And on this particular day, uh, we had a lunch. Uh, we went and saw this piece of equipment and then the the salesperson who was trying to sell this particular item to us said, why don't we go and get some lunch? I said, sure, we'll go and get some lunch. So uh, the lady that I was, I was with, she was driving her car and as I get into the car, all of a sudden I hear, heard this rip, and unfortunately the rip was in the most conspicuous place that a rip could occur. The seat of my pants just split, and I, you know, it was, it was kind of an embarrassing thing. She didn't hear it, but I knew what happened. Now, mind you, we were on our way to the restaurant. We're on our way there. We're not leaving the place and going back to the office. We're about ready to have a lunch in a nice little fancy, you know, restaurant somewhere. And I, I thought, how in the world am I going to do this? So I, you know, I very discreetly tried to walk in a manner that would not, you know, allow for anything to be seen. And somehow I fooled them until finally I'm in the car and I'm on my way back to the office with my co-worker. And I said, to her, "I said, you know, you've only known me a short while. I just started here at the company. But i got to tell you, I'm going to get out of your car and I'm getting into my car and I'm immediately going to a store because I just split my pants. Now, I, w- I had the ability, I had the power to get rid of the old. <laughs> And get into something a little more roomy and new. And I was able to do that. We have the power, folks, to get out of that which is constricting. You've got to understand the old self, it might feel comfortable because that's where you came from. But i got to tell you, it's not going to protect you from anything. In fact, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. You've got to put off the old self. Now, I went and there was a store right down the street. I went into this place and I said, I need pants now. And they, they fit me into some nice new pants and I went back to work for the afternoon and all was well. Everything was fine. I have that power. I have that ability. You and I, brothers and sisters, need to recognize that the Holy Spirit has given us the ability to put off the old self and to get rid of that which you do not need. In fact, it is something that will work against your ability to live the way that God has called you to live. The last time we talked, we talked about the fact that we needed to let the Holy Spirit control our minds, that the Holy Spirit had to be in control of our minds. This time around, we have to understand not only that He wants to control our minds, but He's got to control our mouths as well. We're going to talk about some of these things that we see in these verses of Scripture that I read but the one area that the Bible, and don't, you don't need to turn to the book of James, but you can read a little bit later on. Chapter 1, J- James deals with the tongue. Chapter 3, in, in great detail, he deals with how to overcome and how to be able to, to win the battle with your own mouth. Not somebody else's mouth. Most of us are worried about what other people say. You know, the difference of, of how the world operates and the difference of how Christians ought to operate is we need to be more concerned about what comes out of our mouths than what comes out of somebody else's. I'm just curious. Just let me just say this, ask this. How many of you have ever been absolutely shocked when you heard somebody use filthy language around you? Well, none of us are really shocked, but how many of you get a little indignant about that? I learned a long time ago, I don't worry about the world, what they say i got to worry about what's coming out of my mouth. As a representative of Jesus Christ, we have got to be careful about what we say, how we say things, and all kinds of things. We've got to let the Holy Spirit control what comes out of our mouths. Paul gives us very clear counsel today here in these verses of Scripture on allowing the Holy Spirit to control our mouths. Now, the first thing he points out is in verse 25. I want you to see this. The Bible says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now the first thing that we've got to do when we're letting the Holy Spirit control our mouths is we've got to leave the lies. Lying has become woven into the fabric of our society to the point where it is an acceptable practice. It is something that you can do, that you're allowed to do. In fact, it's even encouraged in some circumstances. Not only that, we've sort of taken the idea that, you know, the lie isn't bad at all. We have color codes for the lie, right? Is the white lie there's, you know, the little gray lie. There's the green with the purple polka dots lie. There's there's the striped lie. Then there's really bad lie. You know, we we've got we've got it all nailed down as to, you know, the categories. And, and what it is that we're supposed to listen folks, at no time in scripture does the Bible ever commend lying. It's never spoken about in a positive kind of light. In fact, lying is seen as something that is equal to what we would call the big sins. I know it would get quiet here. I know there's, we got a few people out today and missing and everything, but you can help me along with the amen, and, or, or, if, or you can help me with an ouch. I don't care, whatever you want to say. If it hurts you, then just Ouch. Go ahead, just, you know, but, but talk to me. Let me know you're still awake. I know some of you are tired. I, I get that. My wife and I have been up for three nights now with sick children. So we, we get the tired part. But, you know, lying is never, ever commended in Scripture. It's never put in a positive light. And for many people who would try to justify and say it's not a big deal, you've got to understand that much of our economic disaster that we have been experiencing for the last three plus years is all because of lies. People have gone to jail in the last few years because of lies. They lie about the bottom line. They lie about how well a company is doing. And all of a sudden, it has all come crumbling down and crashing down. And guess who really has to pay for it, folks? You and me. On the bottom level, we pay for it. And why? Because somebody said, let's just fudge the numbers. We're not lying. We're fudging the numbers. We're just... Embellishing on the truth. We're just making it look a little better than it is. Folks, let me tell you something. It was a lie. And you know what? In the end, people pay for lies. So lying is never ever commended. In the end, it should be enough that the Bible just simply tells us, don't do it. Listen to what the Bible says. You can write these down, you don't need to turn there. We'll go to the Old Testament and then the New Testament. There are a lot of other places that we can look at about lying, but let me just read these two verses of Scripture. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 11. Actually, it touches on a couple of things that we've already talked about. One, another thing that we're going to talk about a little bit later on, it says, do not steal. Paul already mentions this in the passage we just read in Ephesians. Leviticus nineteen eleven it says, do not steal. Do not lie. Lying is lying is lying. The world has color-coded it. The world has candy-coded it. But you know what? The Bible never does so. It never puts it in any kind of... There's never a positive spin about it. Lying is simply lying. It says, do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Now, go on and the Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 9 where Paul discusses about taking off the old self, similar to what he does here in Ephesians that we just read about, about putting off the old self, except in Colossians, he tells them, you have put it off. Here in Ephesians, he's trying to get them to put off the old self. We've got a little more work to do for the, with the Ephesian church, but he says this to the Colossians in chapter 3, Colossians 3 and verse 9, it says, do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So lying is associated with the old self. It's not associated with the new. It's not the new life in Christ. It's not anything having to do with God. God says, that's not part of my plan. Not part of my kingdom. It's not how I go about things. It's not how I want you as a representative of me to go about living the Christian life. So take it and put it off. Lying, he said, let me read it again, Colossians 3 verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Just get rid of it has no part in your, in your life. It has nothing to do with who God is, what he's about. What did Jesus say about Satan? He said he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we begin to lie, we've got to begin to ask ourselves a very dangerous question. Who's motivating this? Who am I allowing to control my life right now? Because it's not the Spirit of God And if lying becomes a regular part of your life, then I got to tell you, you are allowing somebody else to control your life, and it ain't God, folks. I won't name him, but you know. Lying is not something that you and I need to do, so what are we to do? What should we do? What is this about? What are we supposed to do? Look at verse 25 in Ephesians chapter 4 again. The Bible says this, therefore you, each of you must put off falsehood, as lying, and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Yeah, you know what I get the picture in this passage? It seems as though what Paul is talking about is within the church. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting here that Paul says, okay, when you're out in the world, all bets are off. You know, you don't have to, you can, you can lie all you want and say whatever you want you can do whatever you want, but when you're in the church, make sure you act holy. And sad to say, that's how many Christians approach the Christianity. When they're in church, they're one thing. When they're in the world, they're a whole other thing. God has called us to be consistent. He wants us to be a, a picture of what, of his love to the world. We can't be that if we're being two different things. We can't have two faces. We can't We can't be, you know, as it were, schizophrenic when it comes to our Christianity. We can't be one thing here and another thing in the world. God wants you to be consistent. He wants you to be holy and righteous, not just when you're rubbing up against somebody who is shouting and praising and singing to the top of their voices. He wants you to be what you ought to be when you are out there, because that's really where it counts, mostly. Except we sometimes then also have the tendency to say what we do with each other. Who really cares? You know what, folks? We all need each other. We are the body of Christ. And listen to what he says. He says, speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. I get the sense that the neighbor is not your next door neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. The neighbor is, you know, Nancy and Candace your neighbors right now. It's Bethany Candies. It's your neighbor here in the church. It's somebody around you, somebody close to you. It's somebody by you and near you. And the Bible lets us know that we're to speak truthfully. Now, we've got to be careful with this, and I'm going to get to this in a bit, but we've got to to be truthful with one another. I'm not talking about being mean kind of truthful. You know, there's the kind of truth where you just kind of let somebody have it, not with your fist, but with your mouths. I'm not talking that kind of truth. I'm not talking about meanness truth. I am talking about simply being truthful with one another. Listen to what Proverbs 23 and verse 23 says. It says, buy the truth and do not sell it. In other words, what it means is not that you can purchase truth. It's not for sale. It's not something that you can buy. But the way in which he writes, the, the, the Solomon writes as he's writing this, is he's letting us know that when we buy the truth, we are getting it. We are acquiring it. And he says, once you have it, don't get rid of it. It's like when somebody realizes that they have purchased a priceless painting. They had a dollar amount that they paid for it, they get it, and all of a sudden somebody looks at that and values it and says, there is no dollar amount. You think that person's ever going to get rid of that thing? Never. Ever. He says, when you get the truth, you don't give it up. Brothers and sisters, we have been called to truth. We have been called to, to live the truth, to seek the truth, to go after the truth, and to know the truth. So buy the truth and don't sell it. Don't ever get rid of it. Now, the question is, can we really know the truth? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we can know the truth. But I want you to see this. The Bible says this and just a few verses up in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love... We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So Paul is emphasizing, he's emphasizing earlier in this passage what it is that needs to be coming out of our mouths, speaking the truth, but how are we to speak it? In meanness? And let me just get this off my chest, and whatever happens to the other person on the receiving end, I don't really care, I just want to vent, I want to get it out, and I want my feelings to be known. No, no. Paul says speaking the truth in love. Now, this is another thing we've got to be really careful about as Christians. When somebody comes up to you and says, Brother, sister, I want to tell you something in love. I always have my guard up when that happens. Because I'm thinking the in love part ain't going to be so much in love. I'm thinking that occasionally what's really going to come out is more of let me just get this all out and I'm speaking it and you're supposed to love me anyway. That's not really what Paul is talking about. Paul says when we deal with one another and we speak the truth in love, we need to be speaking it in a way that will not allow any damage to be done to the person on the receiving end. Anybody follow me? You know, we're to look out for each other. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to look out for one another. We're not here to just kind of do our own thing and go through the motions and just whatever happens to a brother, sister across the aisle, who really cares? I'm all in it for me. No, you can't be all in it for you because you know what? We all need each other. So speaking the truth in love. Now, how are we going to know the truth? Well, it's very simple. Jesus said this. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So knowing Jesus Christ, you know the truth. This is the part of religion that the world can't seem to swallow. It doesn't like the idea that there are not many paths to get to God, that there could only be one way. But listen, for those who would say there are many ways, you are in fact calling Jesus a liar. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And not only that, how else are we going to know the truth? Jesus said these words as he was praying that high priestly prayer over his disciples in John 17 and verse 17. He said, sanctify them by the truth, your word is true." So the more you get into the scripture, the more you get into the word of God, then the word is going to sanctify you and you are going to know the truth. This is why it's not just enough for us to take the word of God and say, well, you know what, I'm going to just sit it on the shelf and I'm going to go to church on a Tuesday night or I'm going to go on a Sunday and I'm going to hear the word of God. And that's enough. No, 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 it's not. We've got to get the word into us. Jesus said, your word is truth. We need the word of God to help us and to teach us the truth. The truth about life, the truth about him, the truth about his love, the truth about one another, the truth about how we're to live, all of these things to teach us the truth. He said, your word, Lord, is truth. Now, there's something else that we're going to do when we allow the Holy Spirit to control us, and it is this. We're going to trash the trash talk. The Bible says this in verse 29 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. For those of you who wonder what unwholesome means, according to the original language of Scripture, you could translate it as bad, rotten, or decayed. Now, we can think about all kinds of language in the world that we live in that is bad, rotten, and decayed. So the unwholesome part, brothers and sisters, we have got to guard our mouths. And guard what comes out of our mouths. You know, it's become a- acceptable to just be filthy in our country. You know the filth is just all over the place. And I've even heard I, I remember this one coworker on occasion, it was an individual who used to actually bring her Bible. And she didn't have a tiny little Bible. She had a Bible that was bigger than this. And she'd bring her Bible to work, set it on the side of her desk and then the filth and the foul would just fly. And I used to think to myself, be in or be out, one or the other. Don't be both. Don't try to be both because the Bible says here, don't let any unwholesome, filthy, foul kind of bad, rotten, decayed, unwholesome language Come out of your mouth. If you want to serve Jesus Christ, don't be making it a habit that you got to fit in with the rest of the crowd with what you say. You don't have to fit in. Jesus didn't fit in. And he told his disciples from time to time, you're not going to look like you fit in either, fellas. But let me tell you something. The word I'm going to put in your mouth is going to help you and deliver you in the time where you need it. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't allow the devil any kind of foothold in what you say and how you say things. Brothers and sisters, I realize that we live in an age of grace. And most of us just say, well, I just asked Jesus for forgiveness. Why are we going to be asking Jesus for forgiveness for something that he has given us the power to be able to overcome? Why are we going to have to sit there and say, Oh, God, forgive me, when He really doesn't have to forgive you. He's given you the ability to never have to give in to the nonsense. So, put off the old self. Trash to trash talk. Now, part of the old self, for us to look at it and understand what it looks like, look at verse 31. Let's jump down there, verse 31, and we got to see Also, how our mouths can affect our Christianity. The Bible says this, get rid of all bitterness. We already talked about that. Rage, we talked about that. And anger. Brawling, which sounds like just fighting, period. And slander. Slander, along with every form of malice. Slander usually comes out of an intent to harm another individual by injuring their character. In other words, you got to talk bad about the other individual. And usually when you talk bad about somebody and you put them down, it's nothing more than a reflection of your own heart. You think for a minute that somehow it is you, you have them all figured out. That they're just individuals who are just, you know, mean and bad or whatever it might be. Or they've hurt you or they've done something against you. And so you begin to slander them. Now, slander is dangerous because... Slander can go from being a private conversation with somebody that you know to being more and and extensive and all of a sudden the branch of friends, it begins to reach out onto those branches and the gossip begins to happen, but all the while somebody's character is being injured. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that we really shouldn't talk about one another in a way that is less than through the blood of Jesus Christ that is less than what He has done for us. We all have things in our lives that probably, you know, it irritates other people. You know, there's got to be something in all of us. Now, you might say, no, I, I really don't have anything. Oh, go back to your mirror look a little bit harder. I am certain there's something somewhere along the way and it might bother somebody We should never give in to the sin of slander and calling into question somebody else's character, especially when they never have an opportunity to defend themselves. Say those are conversations that go on behind closed doors. Nobody knows about them. Au contraire. The, somebody does know about them. Maybe the person that's on the receiving end of it or, or is the subject of your conversation doesn't know about it, but there is somebody who knows exactly what you are saying about another person. And brothers and sisters, he is always, always present. He doesn't miss anything. He knows exactly what's going on and, and Paul says, we got to take that part of us, and we got to put it off. That's the old self. Why? We're here to build up. Paul, earlier in this chapter, in chapter 4, talks about building up the body of Christ, edifying the body of Christ. It's not about tearing down. Slander tears people down. We've got to build up. Ouch. Amen. Thank you, pastor. May I have another? Verse 30, this is also something that will happen when we allow our mouths to get out of control and we don't let the Holy Spirit control it so that we put off the old self. The Bible says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I remember as a young person reading this and wondering how we have grieved God, or how it is that we could grieve God. And I obviously arrived at the conclusion, as you probably would as you read this, that sin grieves God. But Paul, when Paul talks about us grieving the Holy Spirit in this verse, we can't separate it from what the thread of his thought is which is to admonish us on how it is that we are to speak to one another. Do you know that when all of a sudden anger and frustration and slander and gossip and all kinds of crazy things begin to come out of our mouths about another person in the church or somebody else in the body of Christ, do you know that that does absolutely nothing for you, for the other person, for the church? And in fact, the Bible seems to indicate here that it grieves God. That we can grieve the Holy Spirit as a result of what it is that we say. That the Holy Spirit will feel hurt. This is how we know the Holy Spirit is considered a person. He can be grieved. The same way that you can be grieved and you can be hurt and somebody can hurt you, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. How is is it done? Listen, most often in our lives we are grieved by what others say. Not by what others do but by what they say. That's what gets at us the most. The words that come out of somebody's mouth can hurt more than the things that they do. And yet, at the same time, it's the same way with God. God looks at us and says, you're going to slander somebody else. You're going to hurt somebody else. That grieves me. So He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't allow things to come out of your mouths in a way that will hurt and in a way that will slander somebody because the Lord is going to be grieved by that. So what are we to do? I believe we're to help, not hurt. We have to help and not hurt. Verse 29 says, back up in verse 29 says, But only what is helpful for building others up According to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know what God has called us to? He's called us to a higher calling than just hurting. He has called us to something that is great and it's called building others up. And a lot of times, the things that we say come out of our mouths and all of us, we might not even realize it because maybe we just, we're the type of person who just kind of runs the mouth. But you know, on the other receiving end, we're not building up, we're tearing down. What God has called us to do is He has called us to build up according to their needs. In other words, step back, be a little more sensitive than what we are, and, and begin to perceive what it is that the other individual needs. They might need a word of encouragement rather than a smack on the back. They might need you to come alongside them, put your arm around them and say, let me pray for you rather than a rebuke. See, we Christians are good at rebuking, aren't we? But you know what? God has called us to do something better than that, more than that. We've got to build one another up that it may benefit those who listen. This may refer to a wider group than those who need encouragement at the time. Those who listen are those who are listening now from what's coming from my heart to yours, what I believe that God wants us to understand, that God would help us to be built up. And some of the ways that we're able to do that is by putting off the old self, getting rid of those old ways that we, we like to carry it along behind us. But it's nothing more than a ball and chain. You can't make progress with it, folks. God has called us to minister to one another We've got to let the Holy Spirit control our mouths. We also have to let the Holy Spirit control our movements. I'm going to hurry through these verses of Scripture. But the Bible lets us know this in verse 28. It says, if it ain't ours, don't take it. It says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. If it's not yours, don't take it. The bottom line is God has called us to be honest, to be truthful, and to be productive rather than trying to take that which does not belong to us. It does not belong to us. We don't take it. I know we're not, you know, I don't have a, a church full of thieves here. But every now and then, you might see something you like. It might be easy to make off with that thing. You know what, brothers and sisters, that's, that's the old life. That's the old way. That's the old self. If it's not yours, don't take it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. We've got to be productive people. Verse 28 says it again, but must work. Doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. God is very interested in the fact that we don't become lazy freeloaders in our world. If you're a believer, I gotta tell you, Paul spends time here about this. He also talks to the Thessalonian church about this, of individuals who They had the idea that Jesus was coming so soon that they were just going to move in with another family, sit there, eat all their food, drink all their, their, you know, their 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 water, take up space in their house, consume all that they had because they believed Jesus was coming soon, and they were just freeloading. God has called us to work. He has not called us to freeload in our society. He has not called us to have a welfare mentality. If we are able to work and we can find a job in this day and age, then we need to go out and lend ourselves to be able to do what the Bible tells us to do. We are to be productive individuals. Amen? Amen. I know that borders on politics, but it's scriptural, folks. It is absolutely scriptural. If God allows you to be one of the individuals, He also goes on and say, one of the individuals who really prospers, He says, and you have it to be able to share with those who are in need. Then He says, you need to share with those in need. If it goes beyond being able to meet your needs and and live a, a, a normal life as you understand it, and you have the opportunity to help out those who are and have genuine needs, are not freeloaders, but they have real needs, then help. Amen? Be kind. We are to be kind. Our movement is to be kind and compassionate. The Bible says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in as in Christ God forgave you. The word kind means useful or better. In other words, showing kindness to individuals. It might be difficult for you. Maybe you're that high-strung, you know, type A personality who just, you know, you charge ahead and but you know what? God wants us to slow down from time to time. Look at, the, look at somebody who's next to us and realize that maybe they need kindness from us. That they need us to turn to them and be kind. Be compassionate, verse 32 says. Be compassionate to one another. One of the things that we often miss is the fact that we're to be compassionate to each other in the body of Christ. You know, most of our compassion, when we talk about compassion, we're talking about how we are with those who are in the world, those who are lost. But do you know that sometimes when you come through these doors on a Sunday, you might look around you and you might see somebody, you might not know that they need just a compassionate act. They might need somebody to come alongside of them in that moment and just have compassion on them and what it is that they're dealing with and going through. You might come to the altar and stand here and you're praying in the back of your mind. You're saying, God, I just need somebody to just... Be kind and compassionate to me today. I know you are, Lord, but I need somebody in the body. You know what, brothers and sisters, when we come along beside that individual, that I believe what God wants us to do is to be compassionate to them. We don't know what people deal with on a daily basis. You don't know what goes through somebody's heart and mind and and the pain and the frustration of life and all the things that they're dealing with. And maybe they're acting a little strange or maybe a little distant or maybe they're they're just somehow... They seem as though there's something going on and you don't know what it is. You don't have to probe. You don't have to find everything out. What you can do is you can just show compassion. The Bible says be compassionate to one another. And then Paul goes on and says in verse 32, he says, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave each you. Why does Paul end with this one? Forgiving each other. Now, chapter five, he's going to go on and he's going to talk about being imitators of God, looking like Jesus, how it is that we're supposed to live and looking like Jesus. But he says, really, here's where it all starts. It starts with forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It could have been that he thought to himself that people weren't going to get these things right all the time in their relationship to one another. In other words, there were going to be times where we let our mouths go and we shouldn't. have. There are going to be times where maybe we were angry. We shouldn't have been angry. Or we were angry too long. We let the sun go down on our wrath. Or maybe it is that how we dealt with one another wasn't Christ-like and and, and we wounded somebody, but the Bible gives us a solution that when all of that takes place, when somewhere along the way, you've put off the old self, but somewhere along the way, the old self came creeping up again and, and just sort of came out in your, your voice. It came out with something you said or something that you did and, and all of that. So how are we to react? Well, the world says, nope, that's it. You're done. Move on. No more for you. I am struck by how society is so two-faced with that. The other night I was watching a political debate. I'm not one given to politics. You know me. I I get more annoyed with politics than anything else. But I was watching this debate, and one of the Republican presidential candidates couldn't remember an agency that he would, if he were president, was going to cut. Y'all saw that on the news, right? Poor guy. It was painful to watch, really. And afterwards, you would have thought that the guy took out a gun and threatened the moderator. They said, he's done. That's it. You can't make a mistake like that. That's all done. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't like that with us? Aren't you glad you make a mistake? Boom, you're done. Squash you like a bug. I'm done with you. You're, gonna, you're just on a one-way trip an express train to hell. No, God doesn't do that with us. And that's what God is trying to tell us that we can't do that with each other. Somebody makes a mistake. Somebody allows the old self to come up and they offend you. They hurt you. They get under your skin. They do something to you. Brothers and sisters, you can't write them off. No, that's not like Jesus. Jesus didn't write you off. Why are you going to write somebody else off? In the body of Christ, he has called us to forgive one another, to show forgiveness. And forgiveness, the idea with forgiveness is simple. I don't hold it against the other person. I don't treat them as though they have completely and totally just, just ruined it for me. I don't treat them as though I'm just, you know, I'm never going to let them get close again because they hurt me. Now, if you're in the business and in the habit of hurting, maybe what you ought to do is you ought to get into prayer and say, Lord, help me with this habit. Help me get put off the old self. Cuz the Bible lets us know that's not part of the new life either. But how are we going to fix it? How are we going to move on? How are we going to live with one another? How are we going to do that when somewhere along the way the old self comes up? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You see, it's it's the one thing that disarmed the devil. It's the one thing that disarmed his power over you. God says, "You know what? I'm just going to forgive them." They can't be perfect. There's no way that they can fulfill all the law. I've given my law to the Israelites. There's no way that they can even do that. They can't live up to it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to show grace. And I'm going to forgive those who hurt. There are those who hurt us maybe on a regular basis. How often are we supposed to do it? With this, I close. How often are we supposed to forgive? Peter asked that question one day, Lord, seven times seven, 49 times. That's, you know, Peter was thinking real big of himself. Peter was thinking, he was thinking, man, 49 times to forgive somebody, that's a lot. I mean, they got to really be just messing up bad. To have to forgive that individual, and Jesus, if, seven times seven, are you kidding me? Seventy times seven. 490 times. And one translated even it seemed to bear out that it's 490 times in one day. Now, that's a lot. You, now Now, obviously, you're offending somebody that much. Like I said, go back to the mirror, go back to the prayer closet, do something. But on the other side of that... That if you are having to forgive, I know we sometimes get bothered by if somebody messes up and then they keep messing up and, I can't take it anymore. But we have to forgive. It is the glue that holds us together, folks. As a body of Christ, in your marriage, in your life, on your job, hopefully you have the kind of boss who will forgive, but hopefully you're the kind of employee who doesn't have to always seek forgiveness point is for us to put off the old self and to be like Jesus. Because in the end, we've got to look like him. We've got to act like him. He desires us, and Paul says it in chapter 5 and verse 1, be imitators of God. God wants us to be imitators of him, not each other. He doesn't want you to act like or look like somebody else. He wants you to be an imitator of him. And the only way that we can do that is get to know him a little bit better. Can we stand to our feet?